no idea when Dev starts on this. Oh, me neither. Is it now? It can't be now. There's no way. Wait, it's coming up. Okay, hold on. Okay. Places. Places. The history of film. That better who even when the lights go dim. From James Cagney to, to Nosferatu and stunts that shock you. And dirty, dirty tricks to your made. From wings to Top Gun, movie stars and no ones. Romantic crazy fans that leave no real a ton. Hollywood is still from history in Hollywood. They chase the Oscar, but it's all a sham, just like Shaq and Kazam. All your dreams can come true. Film history, the history of film. All of it made for you. Good God, that was terrible. Welcome back to Film History, the History of Film with James Wyatt Scott, Drake Cummings, and Sailor Dev. Uh, as mentioned in the last episode, we did not uh, plan for trailers to be as long as it was uh, and just ended up being a two-parter. Uh, so that's why you're getting this kind of uh, last-minute introduction right now. And we're about to get right into it, uh, right where we left off, where we really start getting into like the actual history of trailer production um, but, uh, just a quick note, this episode, if you're watching it when it releases, you may notice came out on Tuesday and that is because, uh, the episode that we had originally planned for this week, uh, it turns out that that is a timely episode, James informed me. I don't know what the subject matter is yet. He won't tell me, but he just said it's time sensitive and it needs to come out this week. So that's better getting trailers part two on Tuesday and you're going to get that episode on Thursday. So look forward to that. And then we should be back to our regular one episode per week coming out on Wednesday schedule, uh, moving forward uh, for the time being. So uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy Trailers Part 2. 1913 was also the year that the very first trailer was shown in an American film theater in November when a guy named, I know, I don't quite know how to say it, I think it's Nils, it's N-I-L-S, Nils Granlund, Maybe it's Niles. I don't know. Names are different. He was the advertising manager for the Marcus Lowe theater chain. That theater chain later on would become MGM when it switched over to like films from just Broadway theater chains. So he's their advertising manager in 1913. He produced a short promotional film for the musical on Broadway called The Pleasure Seekers, opening at the Winter Garden Theater on Broadway. And... As reported in a wire service story carried by the Lincoln, Nebraska Daily Star, uh, the practice which Lowe adopted was described as an entirely new and unique stunt, and that moving pictures of the rehearsals and other incidents connected with the production will be sent out in advance of the show to be presented to the Lowe's Picture Houses and will take the place of much of the billboard advertising as well. So... Basically, this this is all flowery just to say this guy literally filmed the rehearsals of a play and he took that footage and the rehearsals, the play is playing at this theater and that theater company also owns now some moving picture theaters that are just sprouting up. They sent the film of the rehearsals for this play to the movie theaters and they would show them in the theaters after a movie, hey, you just watched this movie. There's a play going on down the street at one of our theaters, and here's rehearsals from it. If you want to go buy a ticket and see this play, as whoa! Well. Yeah. How long were the rehearsals? Like know. how long hours. was the like was that footage? Yeah. So like was it just hours probably of footage playing minutes. after yeah. the? No, it was probably just a couple minutes of footage. But those yeah, rehearsals okay, were yeah, yeah. Years. Okay, that's what I was saying. Like how much did they cut it down to? Like a mm. couple minutes, like a standard uh, trailer length. Yeah, and it would be. I'm sure it wasn't just rehearsals. It was also like I'm sure he would get footage of like the stars and it's mm. like look this is uh you know them from other plays on mm. broadway and or the west end or cool. whatever and it was a it was a trailer yeah it was a trailer for a play cool you know yeah, yeah. it's something that seems so obvious now but like at, at the time it's kind of just but i gotta be like why has no one done this yet yeah someone should do this yeah. I, I could be the guy to do this that's kind of it and also yeah. by now we already had commercials that would play like by now mm. Before your film or afterwards or whatever, you'd have a cigarette or a whiskey right. or something, you know, like uh, <laughs> something wholesome for the whole something family. wholesome yeah. for the whole family, and it would oh. be like, and so this guy kind of said that, like, why aren't we making commercials for 
production, mm-hmm. you know, and he basically put together the first trailer. I could not find footage of it. I would, I'm going to keep digging. Okay. I, I'm going to see if it's out there somewhere. Um, I wouldn't assume so, but yeah, I know it's such like a, I think he, and it literally was like a stunt. Uh, Dev and I talked about this in the first iteration of this show, but this was also the time where that was kind of your main entertainment was big stunts. Like you had like Harry Houdini at this time who was doing shit mm. and entertainment at the time was big, uh, big, you know, big public things. A guy climbs a building, a guy like, jackass shit, jackass shit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It was jackass shit. Well, it was like, it was even more, I don't even necessarily think just jackass stuff, but the, you know, the whole culture of the West was very theatrical, right. like meaning not just New York theaters and traditional theaters, but you gotta think like, theatrical kind of figures like Harry Houdini. Like there was something behind like a mystical, a magical, a mysticism, an occult, like a big performative type of thing, you know? And this is like before we got weeded out charlatans. So there's a bunch of those and just people that are just bullshitting everybody. I mean, you know, this, this was the days of radio and radio entertainment. They didn't have TV. There was no other way to tell stories. So people would sit down at their kitchen table and listen to a radio show as a family. And that's how like War of the Worlds came to be later yeah. on. But you know, like that's just put you in like a when are we mindset. Like the whole the bigger and more fantastical something is, is the more popular it is. Right, right. We'll do a we'll do a thing on Nils Granlin one day. He's he's pretty interesting. But yeah, like Dev was saying, it was like it was, and that's kind of at the time what movies even were. Like movies, absolutely fit into this category of just like uh, you know another form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. You can either go see like a dude uh, do a trapeze, or you mm-hmm. can go see a moving picture. You mm-hmm. know, and yeah. It was it was kind of all in the same realm, and yeah, like Dev was saying, it was in the same like theatrical realm. You know, like I and, bet you the circus was just as popular as these movies. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, at some point, I'm sure trailers for the circus were playing at your if you had like a circus coming through town they'd probably show a a trailer for it at your local theater you know almost i almost wish stuff was a little bit more localized like it was back in those days sometimes like i don't know i'd love to you know yeah um i mean it is just not in a theater you know what i mean because it just like but if you scroll through instagram like you're gonna get advertisements for things happening in your city yeah that's true you know what i mean but like it wouldn't really make sense to target that at a theater or whatever but that's kind of what the fandom events and stuff are if you go early enough to see a movie you'll see some trailers for some shit coming that is true actually coming to you yeah Yeah. and i even like yeah that is true even i actually think i've even seen a trailer for a play playing in la yeah theater yeah you you know go 20 minutes before your movie starts like (laughs) well and this became a thing so he shows this trailer uh, it's so interesting because the trailer itself was this big like spectacle. It was like, wow, like this is this is genius, mm-hmm. you know, and it became this huge thing. Uh, they hired him, Granlin, in 1914 to do the first uh, film trailer. It was Charlie Chaplin. Uh, Charlie Chaplin was doing a show at Lowe's Seventh Avenue Theater in Harlem, or you know, it, it was a movie that was coming to that theater. And he was the guy to do the trailer for that. And so it almost uh, instantly, this is 1914, a year later, wow. it was like, here's the trailer for this play. Holy shit, this is amazing. Do this for this movie. Mm-hmm. You know? So it was just that fast. And, uh, and you know, this was, this was definitely a different time for the movie theaters. This was like... Uh, this was like I always talk about where you'd go in for the fucking the cool air, you know, just to like get out of the yeah. heat and smoke cigarettes inside the theater all day. Passes you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a wild time. Yeah. Let me see. What are the trailers you think are like in the porn theater? Oh man, I mean, I, let's just say I'm already I'm already out of the theater before the movie starts. <laughs> I already got I got done what I needed to come to do. You know, <laughs> the trailers are enough. <laughs> The trailers with my, are enough. With my raincoat on. <laughs> it's just it's just the porn scene without any of the other bells and whistles, none of the lead in, none of the after, no story. It's just that one little <laughs> Just the fucking It's just the fucking. <laughs> so early film trailers were way different. They were usually just some like footage of the stars cut together cheaply with some text added. You'd play some music over it, you'd have your 
your guy in the theater playing his piano, you know, getting drunk while the trailer's going. Mm-hmm. Again, to his discretion, I'm sure. You know, it's like whatever you want to play over this trailer. It's up to you, bud. You know? but, uh, <laughs> um, that sounds like it would be hilariously entertaining. Yeah, absolutely. I I really want to see the time before people started sending music with their film, where it was just like up to the up to the discretion it's of the piano player. Whatever you could get, yeah, just freestyle, man. Just go with it. We don't care. <laughs> yeah, you would you'd have vastly different opinions yeah. on a trailer. Yeah, it's, they probably varied per theater, right? Just whatever the theater had in their library. Yeah. 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 yeah <laughs> it's like exactly. It's like this horribly like depressing tragic scene and they're like <laughs> upbeat lighthearted. <laughs> <music>. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie's doing really well in New York but terrible Los Angeles. No idea why. <laughs> no idea why. And then you'd see the LA guy and he's just hammered at his piano. Just got a divorce. Like, everything's gonna be sad today. I hope you didn't come to the theater and cheer up. <laughs> it's like this was supposed to be a comedy. The music's so sad. Jesus. So in 1919, this guy comes along, Herman Robbins from Jersey, from New Jersey, and uh, he kind of he started this like one-stop shop for all your marketing needs. It was called the National Screen Service or the NSS. And it sounds the NSA. Yeah, the NSS, the NSA, and it, and it sounds insidious, and it kind of was. Uh, he. He basically like monopolized trailers in uh, advertising for film in general for a long time, uh, from like 1919 to like up into the 30s. This Whoa. guy had like an, a monopoly on marketing for film. Basically, they began by splicing together stills and footage from huge studio films and making his own trailers. He started just doing it on his own, and he was selling them to local theaters without the permission of the people he was advertising for. And hilarious. it was yeah, hilarious. That's and, kind of awesome though. Yeah, that's <laughs> the thing. I mean, it worked. It fucking worked. He had a good idea because when the studios they were getting these calls from these theaters, they were like, "Hey, we're playing this thing in here. We're playing a trailer for one of your movies and it doesn't seem like it came from you. It came from this like dude in New Jersey." <laughs> <laughs> And they took a look at his trailers, and not only were they not mad about it, they were like, dude, you're our guy. Like, wow. Keep doing what you're doing, and we'll start paying you. Yeah, so the story is, whatever you want to do, just do it illegally. Do it illegally, on your own. Yeah, yep. until, and if it's, if, if it's, here's the thing, if you're good at it, you'll get hired. Boom. If you're bad at it, you'll go to jail. Exactly. It <laughs> depends on your skill level. <laughs> Just make sure to get a few people to sign off on it before you do it. Mm-hmm. You know? No one. Get no one to get sign no off one on it. Get zero permission. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they, like he instantly became a success with this shit. And, like I said, he created this monopoly on it, which is actually... Nowadays they do this. It's this. It's done the same way these days as this guy did it. But now it's not a monopoly. You have a lot of companies out there. You've got Trailer Park out here. Mm. You've got Bond. You've got like yeah. companies out here that strictly work on all. They're a, they're an in-house one-stop shop mm. for all your marketing needs for your big studio films. You yeah, know, they pump out billboards, trailers. Promotional stuff for magazines, photo shoots, you know, uh, they even set up live events for you to go and sign autographs and shit. You know, like, these guys will set up, like, the red carpet and the premiere of your movie. That's cool. Yeah. That's, yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense, too. Like, you kind of, it, it's some much more efficient than, like, having a different company do one, do the, the, the still marketing, the other would do the trailer marketing, the other one set the red carpet. Right. Um... I'm kind of surprised that these studios don't have in-house marketing teams that handle this, though. Like, if you're Disney or Warner Brothers, you'd think yeah. there'd be a whole department they within do. your company. Yeah, yeah. I think Those ones do, but not, you know, probably not like Charlie Chaplin's studio back then. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, it's it, that is, yeah, because I know... Uh, you know, like uh, Warner Brothers uh, does contracted companies to do all their stuff, you know. Um, and I guess it probably, it depends. I mean, I'm sure that they have in-house for some things, and I'm sure, you know, that's a whole that's a whole world out there, man. It's a whole world out there. But it's a whole world. It's a whole world. It's a whole new world. <laughs> but according to Matthew Skimkovitz, Skimkovitz, of hopesandfears.com. I was reading some stuff that he had to say. He had some interesting stuff. Movie trailers of the silent era aim to give you the most bang for your buck. 
In the absence of sound, they put the cast and crew up front, along with some sizzling ad copy. In the trailer for Charles Hines' The Live Wire, 1926, mm-hmm. which is also one of my favorite Motley Crue songs, Live Wire. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> The spot promises the crackling sparks of fun and a flash of its high-voltage thrills <laughs> at, before a montage of the film's most extraordinary stunts. A tightrope walk across telephone lines, a car racing a train, and men scaling tall buildings without a harness. Where, like, nowadays, this would be, you know, the it's all the big shit from the movie. It's all the yeah. big stuff that you're going to want to buy the ticket to go see. That was back in the days where they were marketing a lot more technical. They were marketing a lot more, like... Can you believe what's in this thing? You know, it wasn't all about the story. You don't give a shit about the story. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, just and also like what the movies were capable of and stuff like that at the time too, especially during like the Stalin era and stuff. It's like a lot of stories are probably minimalistic anyway. Yeah. So it's like it's like, have you ever seen a train derail in yeah. this new Busta Keaton movie? You're gonna see just that. You're gonna see it for real. A train, we actually wrecked a train. Yeah, and sometimes you'll see people actually die. <laughs> Do you want to see murder on screen? Live ammunition. Have you ever Ever wanted to slap your woman at home but don't want to go to jail? Well, come to our new moving picture. We got the most woman slapping you've ever seen. You can learn how to slap your woman without going to jail. They weren't going to jail. You can legally slap. It was, it was legal. Did we say jail? <laughs> jail is for homeless people. Uh, <laughs> so then, of course, you could legally slap. <laughs> you can legally slap. And then, of course, you had the the talkies come along, which changed trailers a lot. Uh, the old Al Jolson movie, The Jazz Singer, um, which is uh, uh, commonly talked about in film history. The Jazz Singer's contribution allowed studios to lay off of the heavy text of silent trailers and some lively tunes for their theater audience. <laughs> With a mix of sound, typography, and action, movie trailers became bolder and more sensational than ever before and had a lot more blackface <laughs> all of a sudden. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe not a lot more. I mean, the silent era probably had plenty of it as yeah. well. You know, The introduction of sound gave the studios a whole new way to sell movies they didn't even need footage of the film anymore sometimes. What? So <laughs> what? the public enemy was the 1931 old yeah. CAG. Yeah. Uh, it's so cool, man. I love when all these stories come back around. Yeah. And it's like, oh, the yeah. CAG. You yeah. know, he comes back up. The public enemy released this trailer, and it was literally just a fucking gun aimed at you in the audience and, like, shoots. And it was like, public enemy. Oh, my God. The birth of concept trailers yes, that just, dude. like, sell the title. Sell the oh, title. my God. Cagney. I didn't know that awesome. that stupid fucking tradition was that old. <laughs> but back in the 30s, they were advertising nothing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because those I hate those trailers. Like, I hate really? those fucking, like... Big in the 60s. The only way that works is if the announcement of the thing is significant in a certain way. Right. But announcing something that's not – like no one's anticipating the public enemy because it's not the return of like a franchise. You know what I mean? Like the only time time that works is like I can't believe this project is happening. Yeah. The fact that this project is happening is an announcement. But at the time it would have been Warner Brothers' next big gangster thing. So, you know. It's still just like – like this is giving – it's, oh, here it is. Dev's got it pulled up, and I'll. I'll I mean, you won't hear it, but you can see it. It's only a couple yeah, seconds. It's a gun. So it's just yeah. Nothing like it before. Never anything like it again. A strange, mad story from the pages of life. I'll read it as it goes. Tremendous in its power, and nothing's being shown. Amazing in its realism. Gripping, compelling, human. A few scenes cannot do justice to most powerful picture of the year. Boom. And it's an <laughs> oh animation. Gosh, concept the art. Public enemy. They did con- concept No, art. I hate these trailers. James Cagney, Gene Harlow, Joan Blondell. Coming soon. A Warner Bros. and Vitaphone picture. I would have gone. Boo. I would have gone. Okay. And it- I would have gone too. I would have gone. That was ridiculous and amazing. Yeah, it's, it's giving. It's giving. Remember when the Irishman was announced and it was just the falling bullets? Yeah, like that. 
that's not an announcement. The fact that <laughs> the fact that Scorsese's doing another fucking uh, gangster film with his like these actors that's not an announcement. I don't, I don't. That's not like there's nothing there. There is no there there. Interesting. Like, I- the only time a title reveal like that works is like if we didn't know Avatar two was happening and then. We just like at a press conference, and that's the thing. It's got to be like at it's got to be premiered at like a press conference, and it's yeah. like it that the idea that this could even happen, that this project is going to be a thing, is so interesting and exciting that that can hold right. like the announcement itself. You know what I mean? But like, right. it's got to come from like a franchise or something. You know, like I I don't know. I I personally just hate those trailers. Yeah, for sure. So. I hear you. I, I disagree, but I do hear you. I can do a concept trailer every now and then. It's, I, I would have gone to see Public Enemy, and people did. Yeah. People did. That was. I'm sure that wasn't the only trailer. I'm yeah. sure that was like... No, you know, for sure, but yeah, but, uh, like they announced it with concept art. Yep, mm. and you know, it had the CAG in it, uh, which at the time, he wasn't even that big, but mm-hmm. he was big enough to where they were like, you're going to want to see this, mm-hmm. you know? And, yeah. it's, and it was. It was Warner Brothers... Pretty much they had been on a run with Edward G. Robinson at that point where it was like, kind of was, you remember we were talking about it in the CAG episode where it kind of was their Marvel at the time. It was their gangster shit. Yeah. And it was like, you're going to line up to see their gangster shit. Yeah. You know, they're putting it there. That was what they're known for and they're doing it again. They really changed to what we know, the trailers these days in the 60s, uh, Stanley Kubrick's Lolita was like the first trailer that we see that is like a montage narrative trailer. Um, and that, yeah, that didn't come along until the 60s. I've never seen Lolita, but... A montage narrative trailer? What yeah, like a montage of scenes from the movie that are that tell you the story of what the movie is about. That didn't happen until the 60s? Until the, the 60s, really. So what were the trailers before like that? Like I said, in the 50s, it was big, like... Come check out James Dean. Act like he's act like you've never seen before. Oh, yeah. I see what you mean. Okay, all yeah. right. I'm okay. I see what you mean. It was more. Uh, yeah. It, it was. It was more marketing for you know what the movie is going to. I see. Like more impress you with of the final product. Right. I see. And okay. now Lolita in the '60s was. Dev's got it going for you here. It was more like a montage showing you like not only the aesthetic but also and. This had also been a book, and so this was a little bit easier. You know the book, you know, you know what this thing is about, and we're bringing you a movie version of it, okay. and uh, and they are definitely showing like all the actors who were in it. It was still very much who's a draw, you know, yeah. who's like hot at the time. The art of trailer making has only gotten better. Yeah, this for is sure. something I, like, I, I don't think Look at how they're argue. like combining this animation style elements and stuff with like. They're changing the frame, you know? They're doing, like, these black cutouts and these cool designs to make it more like a, I don't know, 60s -hmm. comic book kind of feel for it. Definitely. Where they, like, introduce the characters in those, like, strips. Like, it was all black and then a strip of footage and the character's name kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and you'd have, like, you know, the the theme song was playing over Mm -hmm. it and shit like that. You know, it was... Yeah, it was definitely a different way of doing it, but it, it began the evolution. And most trailers these days are sort of the same. Uh, we started the three-act structure, similar to a feature-length film. They start with the beginning, act one, that lays out the premise of the story. Uh, the middle, act two, drives the story further, usually ends with like a climax. And act three usually features a strong piece of signature music, uh, either a recognizable song or a powerful original you know some sweeping orchestral piece or something Mm -hmm. and it often consists of a visual montage of powerful and emotional moments of the film and may also contain a cast run if they are noteworthy stars that could help sell the movie Mm -hmm. um and then we of course got into voiceover narration that was more like the 90s they were doing it a lot before Mm -hmm. then but don lafontaine was the guy in the 90s who I was trying to give a little bit of homage to in the mm-hmm. beginning, the in-the-world guy, world. in a world. Yeah, th- that they used that a lot, right? That Man, the 90s, it yeah. was too much, yeah. to be honest. It wasn't that good. Yeah, I, it, no. it was not a very good way to do a trailer. It probably made sense in one movie, and then it just performed really well. So, like, can you say that in every trailer? Yeah, can you do every trailer yeah. ever? And I, I, I will do... I don't. I didn't want to get too deep into him on this episode because I want to actually, like, do an episode on that okay. guy. He was very right. interesting. Really? But he made millions off of that Wh- shit. So, uh, I mean, 
it's, let me know if this is getting too into it, but like, was he an actor before then or like he just got hired? Like, was he a commercial actor? Like, how did he first get the yeah. gig to start being, being the trailer guy? I'll get into him a little bit here. He was an, he was a voice actor. <laughs> oh, you got Tropic Thunder going to, yeah. I mean, shout out to not another non sequitur to the opening of one of the greatest films of all time, Facts. Tropic Thunder, Facts. which opens yeah. with, Trailers, yeah, fake movie yeah. trailers. Yes. So I, that was like Goated. one of the most brilliant, yeah. meta, hilarious things yeah. ever. Ben Stiller, you're a goat. Yeah, yeah, definitely a goat. And Don LaFontaine was also a goat. Other names for this man were Thunderthroat, oh. which I did a movie in the '80s called Thunderthroat for some extra <laughs> rent money. Uh, I was gonna say <laughs> he was known as the voice of God, the king of movie trailers. He was an American voice actor who recorded more than five thousand film trailers. Holy shit! Five thousand, hundreds of thousands of television advertisements, network promotions, and video game trailers. Like the man was the voice of a of a generation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. Wait, uh, so is he is he still around? No, he died. Uh, he, he died. Uh, he died in 2008. Wow. Okay. Yeah, he was doing he was doing stuff until 2008. Tropic Thunder was 2005 and he was doing it, Yeah. You know, he was doing stuff all the way until then. I remember when he died, man. It was like wow. That guy died. Actually, his death <laughs> Sorry before he died. That guy died. <laughs> that guy died. When his death actually kind of like ended it too. Like he really mm. was like the guy and yeah. then after he died, like that style is gone. Yeah, you know, he was like a whole style in died with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. It definitely like who else could you know? You can't have somebody you know like. I, yeah, world. you don't. Yeah, you don't want to. You, you, it would tarnish legacy. You got to retire the jersey. Yeah, exactly. You got to retire the jersey. Yeah, yeah. But I'll I'll get into him one day. He was actually he wasn't an actor back in the day. He was a recording engineer. He oh. was like, uh, yeah. You know, he probably did it because as a temp thing, right? Because like just to like seek, uh, like just play around with like the levels and stuff. And then someone walked in. They're like, actually, actually, this is gonna be your <laughs> whole thing now. Yeah, yeah. Basically, he got started when. Yeah, exactly. He, oh my god, it. You're exactly right. He had to fill in for an unavailable voice actor to have something to present to MGM in 1964 for Western Gunfighters of Casa Grande. And uh, when they they saw his spots that he was doing <laughs> instead of the guy that was supposed to be doing it, and MGM was like, well, that's that guy's the fucking guy. Yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're that guy, pal. You're that yeah, guy. You're that guy, pal. <laughs> but other types of trailers began, you know, the early 1990s all the way until now. Uh, trailers have become something crazy. The develop of the internet, YouTube, you know, all that shit. Uh, we now have video game trailers that are huge that I was talking to you about before. Um, which often lie to you, by the way. Video game trailers often lie to mm. you. Just know that. Uh, <laughs> um, TV shows doesn't everything. Yeah, yeah, pretty. Yeah. I mean, every every trailer in some way is a misrepresentation of the final product. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, there's it's it's portraying a certain thing in a specific way that's very rarely the way it's actually like seen. And I mean, that's not to say that they're bad. Like sometimes that misdirection is part of the fun of the of the rollout, but. Right. They're they're all they're all misleading to a way in a way. Yeah, definitely. We had a big problem. I mean, we still do, but a lot of video games still advertise stuff that they can't do. Right. You know? Yeah, and because um, well, things also change during development too. Yeah. yeah. Um. Sometimes. Do it's you an- think? Hmm? Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say sometimes, sometimes it is intentionally misleading, and other times it's like this was true when we showed it to you, right. and it's just not true anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. Right. Yeah. Do you think it would be more like a benefit for a marketing campaign if like for a film, this probably wouldn't work in a video game, but for like a movie, especially a comedy, a trailer comes out and it's a completely different uh, depiction like of a story with different actors in a totally different movie than the actual movie that comes out. So they could spend like $2 million on a marketing campaign and put trailers and stuff everywhere and then people show up to the theater and it's a completely different thing. Yeah, you know, like Into the Pines kind of did that, man. Yeah. Into the Pines marketed as this whole... It was basically just they showed you the beginning of the film and then the rest of it was totally different, which well, I actually dug. Well, actually, actually, a video game did do that. Really? Um, the marketing for Metal Gear Solid 2 was brilliant. So Metal Gear Solid 2 uh, showed scene like there was a character in the first game. Spoilers for Metal Gear Solid 2, hmm. a game that came out in 2002. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was um, uh, there were in the first game you play as a character Solid Snake, and 
people loved him. And in the, as they were marketing the sequel, they showed off gameplay segments where you're playing as Snake. Uh-huh. In the actual game, you play a snake for the first 15 minutes of the game, and he's replaced with a different character, Raiden. Yes. Yeah, and you yeah. play as Raiden for the rest of the game. I was so pissed. Right, everyone was. I was so pissed. But what was so genius about this was the message, the theming in Metal Gear Solid 2 was that digital information is fundamentally untrustworthy, yeah. and you can't believe the internet. And that was like the whole message of... Right, yeah. and so in order to drive that home, they falsely marketed the game to Hideo prove Kojima, that you can't yeah. trust the digital media. The man should be in the Academy Museum. <laughs> he really should. Genius. This was in 2002. Yeah. He was making a video game about, like, don't believe the internet. Remember the end of <laughs> Sons of Liberty? Mm, Changed my whole mm, fucking life. Yeah. Like that speech on the rooftop. Oh, I was yeah, just like, yeah, you yeah. can't trust the government. And yeah, I was like 12 yeah. years old. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. You can't trust the government. What the patriots are? Yes, dude. Oh my god. <laughs> basically told you like what the Illuminati is. <laughs> yeah. It's like you think your vote counts? Like, you're, yeah. you're hilarious. You know. Oh man, definitely could play those. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> then we we had a uh, book trailers. I was going to tell you a little bit about a book trailer, and I'm, you've probably seen them. Mm-hmm. They're they're you know they they. Film them like fucking soap operas, and they're just these like reenactments of scenes from a book. Um, and it's 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 videos mm-hmm. encouraging people to go buy these books. These trailers can also be referred to as video podcast. Actually, some people say, and the higher quality trailers are cinematic book trailers. Uh, they're circulated on television and online, and most common digital video formats. And they include actors performing scenes from the book akin to a movie trailer, full production trailers, flash videos, animation. That's hysterical because that to me is like more misleading. It's like, well, just make the movie. Yeah. Just, yeah, just, yeah. Can just you just keep doing this? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you tell me so, I got to read the rest of this? <laughs> and they're always so cheesy mm-hmm. that it's great. Yeah, you had famous book people. Uh, Fabio <laughs> was a book guy, he was, he was a book cover model. Who became famous for that, you know? Yeah. And, uh, the Lost City. The Lost Go City. see The Lost City, guys. You okay. can still see it in theaters. It's, it's so good. Interesting. All right. Is he in, Law, is he in The Lost City? No, no. Oh, but right. I mean, that's the whole premise of that thing is it's a writer and her cover model. Oh, like, no shit. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. Um, Sandra Bullock plays this writer um, who writes these like cheesy romance novels. Uh-huh. And she goes on book tours with her cover model and the cover model is the character in the books. And so like, there's this huge fandom around him, but like he's got this ego about him that he is this character. And she's like, you're literally just my cover model. Like you realize you're not the character in my book. Right. Right. And he's like, yeah, but people love me. It's like, yeah, because you, you model on the top of my book covers. Right. So it's like, so like that's the basis of like their relationship, and then uh, an adventure happens. Okay. But like, yeah, so it, it's kind of like playing off of those like Fabio kind of like cover I model see. things. I see. Yeah. yeah. There's even there's an award for the best book trailers called the Trailey by the Trailey. School Library Journal. School library. The school journal? library journal. Yeah, does the, <laughs> the trailer award. Trailie. <laughs> the trailer. So, did your uh, film win any awards? Oh yeah, we won a couple trailers. <laughs> a couple trailers here got, there. I, are they? Where are they? Well, they're not quite big enough to fit on the mantle, so I keep them on the back of the toilet. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and another type of trailer here is uh, fan-made trailers, which is mm. kind of where it all began, if you think yeah, about it, yeah, with yeah, that yeah. dude back in the day who just like fan ripped, cuts, ripped yeah. footage, yeah, <laughs> fan cuts, where he actually sold them. And that's those are also those are a, a very particular type of trailer on YouTube, and they're usually. Mm-hmm. Horrendously bad. You yeah. Know? Uh, Although some of my favorite fan trailers are um, like uh, d- kind of this loops back to like theaters just kind of playing whatever music they had on hand. I yeah. love when someone takes a comedy and edits it to look like Absolutely. a horror movie or vice versa. Vice versa. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I, someone, I've got to show you this trailer that somebody made for uh, Game of Thrones. Okay. It is like some of the best fucking trailers I've ever seen. Really? And they were completely fan-made trailers, and it just, like, gripping as fuck. And I'm like, this is incredible. Like, this is a fucking demo reel. Like, yeah. I would hire this man based off of this, you Dude, know? I, and some people get started with that shit, man. Like, I, I very... My, my line of work that I got into just for, like, some extra money 
has led to this place mm. where I'm in now where I get to work with like really top level trailer makers. Yeah. And these people are it's it, serious it, shit. Yeah, it's you know? an it's an art it's an art form. It's, yeah. it's a craft. Like there is there's like there's a lot of things to it. Um and also like going back to like lying and stuff, like how every trailer is in, in innately in some way a lie, like knowing how much to lie is also important right. because sometimes it can be for the benefit. My favorite thing, I love Marvel trailers yeah. because they um they will what you see in a trailer isn't necessarily the scene from the movie. They'll add characters to shots. They'll take characters out of shots, stuff right. like that, to sell you on something so that in the movie you have that genuine surprise still. Yeah. Because they're aware that like people hate being spoiled in these trailers, so they cut things out or change it away so that when you watch the movie you're still surprised like it's really cool the way they do it yeah fuck yeah so yeah yeah oh i even have it here sometimes trailers can be misleading on purpose for the audience's own good yeah yeah (laughs) or uh another mislead that trailers will do is make a make an actor that's in the movie look like he's in the movie way more than he actually is or Mm -hmm. they actually are you know Mm -hmm. that's a big one that's a big one for indie films if an Mm -hmm. indie film managed to snag like some big time actor mm-hmm. that they're all over the fucking trailer and you almost sometimes usually yeah. you'll see most of what they did in the movie <laughs> in the trailer yeah. like it, when you watch it that was basically it i did a movie like that <laughs> i wonder how much back channel conversation used to go on between the trailer makers and the academy yeah because it would not for awards but it's a it's a mechanism to sell a movie to say Academy Award winning director, Academy right. Award winning actor, so and so in this movie. So you're able to charge, like, remember when DVDs were a thing? Yeah. And VHSs, you could charge like three times as much for a movie on a shelf because it was an Academy Award winning or, or had elements of awards that were won on it. That's the whole reason people did, people only did awards for two, well, not actors, but movie companies only really participate in awards for two reasons. A, it's a marketplace to sell the movie, like Sundance and Tribeca and things like that. Or B, so that you can get the accolade and price point your movie higher. Right, right. So like mm. a DVD would be like 26 bucks instead of like 12 or eight, you know, yeah. at, at Walmart or Best Buy or something. Depending if your movie won a bunch, if it fucking swept the Academy last year, you know that that's going to be more expensive right right absolutely at least it used to be streaming's kind of upset all that but that's what i'm saying like back in the 90s and stuff like how deeply were those smoky cd rooms and back channel conversations were like all right i'll give you three of these and then you're gonna put this and you're gonna give this award and blah blah you know what i mean right yeah yeah just try to like make those overlaps and make those sales. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting that the Academy, I'm sure, has a lot to do with it, and the the MPAA as well. Uh, they have a lot to do with trailers, and I'm sure you guys have all heard of, like, you know, red band trailers. Um, yeah, where did that come from? Where's the, is, what's the red band part of it mean? I never understood that. It's not rated or rated R. Why is it called red band? Because they, they assigned different bands. The green is... When you see the trailer, you can see it in the beginning. You know, the oh, green. It's for like everyone. Yeah, right. the green is for everyone. It sticks to the guidelines of censorship. And the red ones are the naughty ones. Oh. Yeah, red band trailers are, bl- are played cool. before movies that are rated R or NC-17. So you're already in this rated R movie. So mm. you're equipped to watch this red band trailer. Oh, yeah. cool. Okay. And the green ones. So they can still, yeah, right. advertise the movie on every theater's screens but it would just the type of trailer would change depending on what was playing yeah 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 they had like you know and they still they i I have it here this is way outdated because we did this episode way back in the day but a yellow band trailer there's green red and then there's yellow which is like in between never heard of a yellow yeah there's yellow band there was like stoplights i I know i've never (laughs) give me an example of a yellow band trailer like Uh, i've never seen one rob zombies halloween was a yellow band trailer um, and I don't quite know why you're in between. Maybe it's you can show like gratuitous violence, but not you know like nudity or something <laughs> like that. You know, that's, maybe like no cursing. Right, you can murder somebody on screen. That's hey, that's America. You can show all the uh, you can show all the beheadings you want as long as you don't say fuck or as long as you don't actually fuck. You know, <laughs> and. Another just quick note here, trailers as of 2014 have to be two minutes or less. And before that, uh, they could be two minutes and 30 seconds. And nowadays they're two minutes. 
the requirement. And, oh, um, to play in a theater? Yeah. To oh, play, yeah. Okay, they cool. used to be two and a half minutes. Mm. Yeah, and now they're only two. I'll tell you one one trend that I hate in trailers that I think like kind of like ruins the the artistic nature of the trailer construction itself. Right. Uh, is there sometimes there'll be a five second hyper sizzle at the beginning of a trailer. Do you know where that comes from? No. It comes from YouTube because on YouTube you can skip an ad after five seconds. So they started doing a hyper five second cut at the beginning of the trailer so that you don't click skip ad so you watch the rest of the trailer. But sometimes they keep that. That makes sense for the sponsored one that's playing on the pre-roll. But they keep it in for just the actual trailer and I think it fucks up the pacing of the trailer. I wish they would cut that out for the actual trailer that they post and only leave that in for the thing that's going through the marketing cycle. Right. In case your brain wasn't schizophrenic enough and your attention span wasn't already too short. Yeah, seriously. Boy, do we have a trailer for you. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like we're it's like we're trying our hardest to have the shortest attention span possible. It's like at some point movies are just gonna be a you, flash. And it's just like you saw You're gonna be so delighted from idiocracy. Yeah, man, I can't wait. I can't oh, wait. Oh man. But that's all I have on trailers, y'all. Cool. I, I was trying last couple minutes here, I was trying so uh I, I I'm actually I'm a big fan of trailers. I know. Um, I, know. I, uh, I I like I said there was this website I used to love called Game Trailers that expanded yeah. to incorporate a lot incorporate a lot of different video games media thing. But uh, the essence of that um, the the guy who worked there, Brand Jones, like uh, he 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 found it because he loved trailers. Yeah. And um, he did this show later on. It was called Trailer Score, where a trailer would come out, and him and like a couple panelists would analyze the artistic merit of the trailer and the composition of the trailer, and like break down like, and they would give it a score at the end. They would rate the trailers, and it was right. it was really fun. If you love trailers, that's cool. It was a cool show, but I cannot for the life of me find it on YouTube anymore. I <laughs> oh, do not know shit. what happened to it. I like um, the honest trailers. Where he would like do voiceover oh, over the trailer and yeah. tell you what was really going on in the movie. Type yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. That was Honestly, fun. It's so funny though. I'm a huge fan of trailers as well, but I do fall into that category where if I can, I will avoid it and just go into the movie mm-hmm. blind. Just tell me if if it's some big movie that's coming out yeah. and it looks cool, I will try to avoid the trailer just yeah. to go in absolutely with no idea of what it's about. I definitely, I definitely have those yeah. uh, for sure. So. I, we didn't talk about this, but what about a, trail, a trailer for a reboot? Because you've already seen the movie, right? Yeah, like uh, well, like the Matrix is, or or like I mean, not even that. That's like a sequel. I'm saying like you know an actual like we're gonna do the movie again for the same like uh, Ghostbusters reboot or like you know they were doing the same plot line right. just with different actors in place or something like that. So I mean. I, is it is it more difficult to do a trailer for that? How do how is an effective trailer? Because like you already kind of know what's happening. Are you just showing the jokes with the new cast members? Are you showing only new stuff, which is like giving away everything right. that is new about it? Are you showing the nostalgic stuff? I mean, happy dose that has both? probably the yeah. biggest. Uh, opportunity to use expectations to your advantage to kind of yeah. subvert the expectations of the trailer and stuff. There's a lot of different ways you could go about that. That is interesting. Yeah, but I haven't seen any good reboot fucking trailers. There's nothing that come to my mind. Yeah. And there's some creative <laughs> stuff you can do with trailers. Except tra- for Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Everyone should go watch yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's an interesting thing that you can do too where like uh, I, the first thing that comes to mind is like James Franco and Dave Franco making uh, The Disaster Artist. And I always thought they should have done a trailer that was them doing the room, but it, make it shot for shot the trailer that came out for the room. Yeah, you know. But they didn't. I mean, it was more of just like the movie and what it was going to be about. Where I thought it would be kind of cool if they. Had... That's also the studio. Yeah, and the advertising company. Right. They the distributor has fucking say over how the trailer usually how those trailers get cut i mean maybe a like james cameron and like a big ass director like that might have a fucking leverage oh they do yeah they're dictate they're, yeah but i've been in yeah. those i've been in trailer houses before where they're making it like uh michael bay is a big one if you make a trailer for michael yeah. bay you're on the phone with that guy 24 hours a day you know like he he oversees every single cut of a trailer and it's it's got to be to his specification before it goes out you yeah. know I, just, yeah. I don't know how much pull james franco has in no right right well not that trailer no yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's all i got on trailers y'all oh you're still looking for the 
Yeah, okay, I think I might have finally found it. Yeah, okay, it was called Let's All Go to the Trailers. Oh, okay. And that's what it was called. And I think Let's All Go to the Trailers. <laughs> yeah, so if you're, if you're interested in, in people dissecting like video game trailers, it's honestly like more fun than it sounds. <laughs> no, uh, it, let's All Go to the Trailers on the Game Trailers Archive channel. Awesome. So Awesome. Well, y'all, this has been chill. This has been fun. I liked it. I liked it today. This was good. We needed, uh, you know, we needed some decompression. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to be going back into a deep dive here soon. Don't you worry. I'm getting something something concocted. I'm just going to keep going with um, mm-hmm. these heavy hitters from the beginning of, you know, mm-hmm. we did CAG, we did Bogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I'm just going to keep, I think Marlon Brando's coming up. Brandy Marlon. I think it's time for him. Time to get into Brando. And I think uh, it's hitting with the audience because I think it's—I think it was exactly like I was saying. I think yeah. I got a little bit ahead of myself before telling you like mm-hmm. the 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 OGs. Yeah, you know, uh, if he didn't do some sort of promotional tie-in called Brandon's Merlot, then I don't know. Like I—I got—I want to talk you to know, his publicist. You know, Marlon Brando <laughs> wasn't exactly a fun, kitschy guy. <laughs> oh, okay. So I don't think he did. Uh, he was, but he did like wine. He did like wine quite yeah. a lot. Okay, there we go. Quite are. a bit. He liked Merlot, for sure. I'm Brendan Marlowe, and when <laughs> I sit down after a long night of work, I like to sip on a Brendan Merlot. You know, again, he just wasn't real like a commercial guy either. <laughs> okay, um, right. He wasn't real into any fun, you know, so I don't think that... <laughs> Do you like making money? Uh, I mean, sort of. In a way, I don't even know if he knew he was making money. Um, <laughs> I have no reference on this, man. Oh, man. Oh. Yeah, I don't know who you're okay. talking about, really. Oh. I've heard the name. Oh, guys, I couldn't name a movie he's, he's played next. in. He's next, then. Was he, was, was check he, out The Offer. Was he, wait, was... It's on right now about him. The Offer? Wait, was, yeah, have you seen that? It's a TV show about the making of, uh... The Godfather. Oh, it's right. The Offer. Oh, dude. And oh, okay. It's a short series, and it's either on HBO or Showtime. I don't remember. Justin Chambers. Or Paramount, yeah. even. I don't. I don't remember. Go check one of them out. Oh but God. it's. I've seen a couple episodes and a bunch of clips, and it's really good. Wow. The way they do it, it's like the. Um, Every, it's like them actually getting the funding for it, oh my and God, them dude. talking to the mob, and then them going to a, young, a Marlon Brando to pitch it. And right there, he like does the makeup and kind of puts on the voice and character. He was in front of them. It's really well done. Because he was Stella, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. And I knew he was in The Godfather, and because he, he was the one who also did the the Oscars thing with the with the native yeah the native uh, protest, right? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. all I know about him. That's really? the beginning and end I know about Marlon Brando. Oh, man, okay. Little known fact about Marlon Brando, he was actually in uh, Stella's Got Your Groove Back. Oh wow, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah, he was he was Stella. That's how that's how good his method man, is. Man, man, and uh, yeah, Marlon Brando <laughs> was Marlon Brando. Okay, dude. Yeah, no, we'll we'll okay. Well, then it's time for his deep dive then, because I gotta I gotta tell you all about this guy. They, he was like. I, I can't even say enough about Marlon Brando, like what he was to the film industry, basically. That's interesting. I didn't know you didn't know much about him. No, no okay. not really. I mean, I honestly, like, I didn't know anything about Bogey other than he was in Casablanca before yeah. we did the deep dive. This is why so, we're doing this you know. show, man. This yeah. is why we're doing this show. Dude, got yeah. Some, got some learning to do. Got some learning to do. Dev, I didn't know about this show. Man. I, I had seen the, like, billboards for it, but I didn't quite know. What's it on? Yeah, what is, uh, is it? On? I don't remember exactly what network it's on. It's either HBO, Showtime, or Paramount. Right. It's a streaming, and it's like a six-part series. It's called The Offer. Miles Teller's stars in it. Um, there's a bunch of people you would know starring Juno in it. Juno Temple. Off top of my head. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, dude. Marlon Brando was. He was a. Uh, he was an Amazon interesting Prime. guy. What's that? Amazon Prime. Prime. Oh, Amazon Prime. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow, I was way off, <laughs> dude. I am gonna start watching this tonight. Yeah, this looks great. Yeah, I like the ti- I like the I like the title, like the title card, like the poster. Yeah, like, good. Got, Speaking of trailers and stuff, this is good poster design. Like, yeah. I'm so this poster well, tells me everything Amazon I need to know about the show. <laughs> what said Amazon knows how to sell shit. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. This All poster right. tells me everything I need to know about the show. I don't even need a. I don't even need a trailer. Hell yeah. Um, All right. Well, let's wrap this thing up. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Drake Cummings, on uh, Twitter at Drake underscore Cummings, on TikTok at Hollywood Drake. My TikTok is doing fantastic right now. We're we're doing really well. I got. If you like jokes about the movie Morbius, I got you. I, I, there's so many Morbius jokes, <laughs> and they're doing they're doing yep. really good. So they're not stopping anytime soon. 
Uh, and then uh, you can uh, check out my merch store, Raging20sMerch.com. And uh, uh, yeah, those are all my things. Boom, boom. So our, it's non-trailer, our preview for our <laughs> Blood in the Water documentary is out now. I encourage everybody listening, uh, if you have any inkling for documentaries or the environment, or if you just want to hear about a crazy, corrupt story about a New York City hedge fund, radioactive fertilizer, and a bunch of dead fish in the agricultural industry of America and the world, maybe give it a watch and check it out and you'll see what it's about. Um, we, you know, it's not the actual final film. It's not an advertisement for the final film. It's just explaining what the film is and our NFT projects associated around it. So cool. go to abracadabra-films.com and there's a tab for Blood in the Water. You can search for it on YouTube and uh, OpenSea and a bunch of other places, but follow me on Twitter for more uh, drops and updates, Dev and Sailor underscore Dev on Insta. And speaking of, like, Dev, you're talking about, like, you know, like, the 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 way, like, what is an interesting way to, like, so what, what, what do you like to sell things as? I don't know if this is going to help you, like, title it or whatever, but uh, I think that that description of that sold me on it because, like, a lot of there's a lot of documentaries about uh, things in the environment, right? Uh, but uh, there's not a whole lot of ones that tie it into like Web three stuff and crypto and NFT and stuff, and that's something a lot of people don't understand. And so, uh, just help helping people understand that element of it first, I think, is probably the most interesting way to hook people. You know? Yeah. Yeah, dude, that's that's a great concept, and thank you for that uh, insight because I'll definitely use that and lean into it. And I think the unique thing about this too is that like using Web3 and Film3 and these new tools, we're able to like do things after the documentary comes out that still support yeah. that cause. Yeah. So like, it's not just like, hey, we're coming together to make this movie and then it's done. It's like, oh, that's just like step one. And then everybody who's a part of it and invested in it emotionally or intellectually or whatever, um, can be a part of seeing like other things happen, other art, other versions of this updates, but more like you know, throwing money behind different projects and like actually causing change. Yeah, so I think I wanted to do this because it's a template for other people, and we're doing it all from the ground up because uh, I want to show people that it can be done from scratch so that any kid with an idea like this can do it, um, even though they might not be a part of a giant film studio or whatever. Blood in the water. Very cool. Hell yeah. And you can find us at Film History, The History of Film, or FHHF Podcast, depending on where you're looking for us, depending on where you're looking for me. You can find me at James Wyatt Scott or Jimmy Deloy. Uh, you can also find us on Patreon. Uh, yes. That's uh, the Film History, History of Film Patreon. Uh, we've got one full month of great content up for you. Uh, we have an outtake compilation, episode of Game History, and a couple other special bonuses. Uh, and then in the month, month of May, you're getting another out, uh, outtakes compilation, another episode of Game History, and then another piece of bonus content. And we're going to have more similar stuff, more different stuff coming in the future. If you want to take out all of our different tiers and all the different types of content that you might be getting in the future, you can head over to our Patreon, look for yourself, and you can subscribe for as little as, what is it, $3 yeah. is our lowest tier? $3. Yeah. So, $3. Um, $3. So check that out, and shout out to Dylan, who is our first patron. Dylan! And, uh, yeah. It's all for you, baby! Hell yeah. And you can also find me pretending to be stuck in the bathtub so these six big men can help me out of it. Yeah, get me out of here, boys. And that's been... Lather me up with more soap there, <laughs> You better use more soap behind the ears than behind some other places. And that's been Film History. The, the History of Film. You know what I'm talking about.